friends, and thanks so much for joining us today. My name's Lisa Tony, and I'm the pastor to marriage here, the marriage pastor at Purpose Church. It's my honor and my privilege to get to support and champion marriages. So today we are continuing our series called Before You Leave. We've been having so much fun in the last few weeks going over some of the different topics before you leave. I mean, have you noticed how we find ourselves in a time in our culture where people are just ready to bail on things. They are ready to say, hey, I'm feeling discontent and so I'm gonna make a change. Now, sometimes that's good and sometimes we act a little too fast. And so we are being intentional about thinking through and talking through some of these topics and inviting Jesus to be in there to help us with that. So we're not just making decisions on our own, but we're seeking the Lord's guidance as well. Now, last week, Pastor Claire preached an anointed and brilliant sermon on before you leave your singleness. Now, I loved it so much. It was such an important message for us to hear because one of the things that she said that I love so much was that your relationship status is important. It is an important part of who you are, but it doesn't define your identity. And it's so true. Your identity is not about your relationship status. Your identity is with the Lord. Your identity is in Jesus. And so as we talk today about marriage, we also want to have that same mindset when we think about marriage. So we're going to talk today about before you leave your marriage. Now, if you're not married, don't bail on me because it's important for you to hear this message today too. And here's why. You never know how God is going to continue to write your story. You may find yourself in a relationship unexpectedly, or maybe this is a topic that's helpful for you to think through because I bet you have friends who are married. And so this is a great way for you to think through marriage, to know how to champion them, how to encourage them, how to support them as part of your community. So as we start off our time together, let me just say right off the bat that marriage is a good gift from God. It is definitely something that God has given us for our good. But sometimes the church has, I don't know, made it sound more like an expectation for everybody. And so I want to be clear, marriage is a good gift, but it is not an expectation for you. Marriage is a choice. And so if you are watching and you are still single, that's awesome. That's good. That's something to be celebrated. You are loved and you are welcomed. Um, so marriage is not necessarily something that is for every person or every life. Now, also, as we talk about the topic of marriage, sometimes the church has not done a good job if you have experienced a divorce. Now, if this is you, I want you to know that we are sorry if the church has ever caused you any pain in the midst of that. You are loved and you are welcomed here. And sometimes the church has not done a really good job if you are in a toxic marriage of helping you think through that and leave if necessary. Now, marriage is something that we want to fight for and hold on to, but sometimes there are times when you are in a toxic situation where it is better to love someone from a safe distance from afar. So if that is also you, you are loved and you are welcome here as we dive into our topic about marriage today. 
Now, I met my burning hunk of love, my husband, when I moved out to California and we both ended up in the same graduate program. We were in Greek class together. I know you're saying Greek, the language of love. Well, it ended up being for us. He would come over to my apartment and want to study Greek. And later I found out how brilliant he was. He went on to get a PhD in New Testament and he teaches Greek now, but I didn't know that back then. I think he was making up questions just to study. Well, he will tell you that I asked for his phone number first and it is true. I did ask for his phone number first, but I also asked for all the phone numbers in our small group that we were in together. Well, we ended up dating, but we did break up for a while and we ended up getting back together in Hebrew class. I know. I was like, Lord, we got to figure this thing out because we are running out of dead biblical languages to study. So we got to move this thing along. So we ended up getting married and now we just speak the language of love. Yes, you guessed it. So we have been married. It is going to be 19 years. This week is our anniversary. I can't even believe it. 19. We are leaving our teenage marriage years. Oh man, what comes next? Well, we have four kids and um, the Lord has done a lot through our relationship. You know, marriage is probably the most intimate relationship that people can experience here on earth. It has some wonderful blessings and benefits to it, but it may be the hardest relationship that you endure as well. Um, marriage divorce statistics reveal that roughly every 36 seconds, someone is getting divorced in America. That's a lot of divorces that are happening. And so that leads us to the question, why are people leaving their marriages? What's up? What's going on with this? Well, divorce has, divorces have increased by 34% in the year 2020, which isn't compared to the year of 2019. And 20% of those divorces were newly married couples who were married only five months or less. So the pandemic has taken a huge toll on marriage and married couples. I mean, obviously you can join with me in you know, all the reasons why that the, the stress, unemployment, financial strain, death of loved ones, illness that has happened, homeschooling, there's been mental illness, differences in opinion about vaccinations and mask wearing. I mean, all of these things have just heightened emotion and it's been hard to know how to process this emotion through the pandemic. These have all been leading causes in divorce. So the top reasons right now listed in for divorce are incompatibility. And all those reasons I just said are actually recognized as part of what this incompatibility is. There's lots of things that fall in that category. Infidelity is almost 30%. People are having a hard time putting a boundary of protection around their marriage and the sexuality of their marriage. And then finances. Finances can be a really challenging issue. And often it's not that they don't have enough money, it's differences of opinions in how we spend the money is where that comes into play. 
But it's not just the pandemic stress that has heightened the issue of what is happening with marriages in our country. We actually have fewer people who are getting married today. And according to some of the research that is done by the Pew Research Company, uh, more people are living together than are getting married. And according to the research, 69% of Americans agree that this is okay. They say that living together is okay to do before marriage. The reality of our culture that we find ourselves in today is that there's been more people in our culture that have lived together than who have been married. Now, moving in together is viewed by most people as like a natural or normal step to take before you get married. I mean, from the outside perspective, it seems to make sense. I mean, why not kind of test things out, test out our compatibility, see if this is going to work for the long haul. The problem is that research shows that this isn't helpful. And in fact, 33% of the couples who move in together end up divorced after they get married versus people who um, get married before they live together. So the stats really are in favor of waiting to live together until after you get married. But that's hard for people to do. Um, you know, marriage is quickly falling out of favor in our culture and in our, in our world today because people are trading in the idea of commitment and accountability and boundaries around their lives for instant and fast gratification. And unfortunately, it is children and it is women who end up suffering the consequences that are the fallout because of this mentality. But here's the thing. As Christ followers, as followers of Jesus, God still thinks that marriage is a good idea. He still thinks that it is something worth fighting for and investing in. And so today we are going to talk about this idea of marriage. God thinks that bringing together a man and a woman and drawing a boundary around that relationship and saying, I am going to do life with you forever. I am going to put a boundary around this relationship and be faithful faithful to you and only you. And I want to have kids with you and invest in them and raise them together and grow old with you. I want you to be my person that I know better than anyone else and that I let know me better than anyone else. God says that this is an important part of who we are as humans. And there's a lot of different reasons why God thinks that this is really important. Now, as we talk about this idea you know, Christians may be some of the last people standing <laughs> that believe that marriage is a good idea. We may be the last ones standing that say, yes, we are going to champion marriage and believe that it is in God's best interest for us to practice marriage. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it this way. He has a quote that says, Christian marriage is marked by discipline and self-denial. Christianity does not, therefore, depreciate marriage it sanctifies it. It means that it is something that is holy and good, but it takes the effort of some sacrifice on our part to get to those places. Okay, so here's the thing. Marriage is God's idea. God came up with the idea. He's the only person who can work a miracle every single time a couple gets married. Every single time you attend a wedding, you get to experience a miracle. One plus one equals one. 
one. God creates a brand new family. And it is only God who is able to do that, to take people from different backgrounds, different traditions, and begin to weave them together to form a new family unit. Scripture tells us in Mark 10, 6 through 9, that Jesus would reflect back to this idea that God established in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. This is what Jesus said. At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. He created them. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Marriage is meant to be permanent. It is meant to be lasting. It is meant to be something that lasts a lifetime. So let's just talk a little bit, just briefly, about what is the purpose of marriage. If so many people in culture today don't think it's a good idea, why did God think it was such a great idea? Well, there's lots of different reasons. We're going to just look at a few. One of them is that God wanted to create a loyal partnership between one man and one woman. He wanted to bring a bond of uh, a friendship, unite a couple together to have companionship in life, to support and encourage each other, to get to know each other and champion each other, to have someone to walk si alongside you in life through all of the good and all of the bad. So partnership is one of the reasons. Another one of the reasons that God designed marriage is he wanted to design committed sexual expression for couples to for couples to enjoy. Design committed sexual expression for couples to enjoy. So this is the idea of where this is the best place, God says, is best for sex. That it is a place that is safe. It is a place that you don't have to wonder who you're going to have sex with or how much sex you're going to have. You guys all get to decide that together in your marriage relationship. So it's meant to build intimacy and stability within the relationship. Now, the third reason is to establish the firmest foundation for children. Now, children are very resilient and they can grow and flourish in a lot of different environments. But God said, hey, you know, I want to give children the best shot possible. And children tend to flourish when they have stability. And so this is a design that God created to give children that kind of stability. Now, I want to read this scripture in Malachi 2.15. It says, Has not the one God made you? And you belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. God believes that godly offspring is something that is helpful and beautiful to families, and it brings him great joy. Sometimes raising children in our culture today has been seen as more of an inconvenience when it's really supposed to be a, a sacred opportunity and responsibility that God has given us. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. God is championing this idea of commitment to one another and putting that boundary around our marriage and around our family. Now, we also want to look at this reason that God believes in marriage is to understand our gender identity contrasted to the opposite sex. So what do I mean here? Well, 
scripture tells us that God created us male and female in his image, right? And so if we talk about our gender identity, what does it mean for me to be female? What does it mean for my husband to be male? Sometimes to understand our our identity, we need to be in opposition or contrast, maybe is a better word, contrast to the other so that we can see what our differences are. So, you know, all the jokes, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, whatever those jokes may be, we're different, yet we were created to fit together. We were created as equals, but different, you know? I mean, someone's got to be able to go to Lowe's and see the 25 different colors of white and know that there is a significant difference in each one of those colors versus maybe someone else in the marriage who only sees one color of white. There's differences in our gender and how we interact with one another. Okay, and then one more reason I want to look at is how our marriages mirror Christ's relationship with the church. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. Oh, Lisa, this is a big theological reason. But listen, your marriage is an opportunity to be a witness of what Jesus is doing in our world and in our churches. Scripture talks about the power of your marriage to be a witness to the watching world. That Christian marriage, committed marriage, marriage that is based in love and trust and integrity is an opportunity for us to show the world how Jesus views the church, how Jesus views his people, that he is committed to them. He is a God of integrity and faithfulness, and that's what he wants for us in our relationships as well. Look at this passage in Ephesians 5. Okay, Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives just like Christ. There's a comparison here that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church, like a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So there's language here in this passage that not only is kind of a directive to husbands to love their wives, but about a comparison about how Jesus does that with the church. Well, our marriage ministry that we have here at Purpose Church is called Married People. Now, it is here to support and to champion your marriage. And we want to give you resources to pour into your marriage. We don't want to be here just when things get bad. We want to be here to help support and keep things fun and good and helpful. And so we're committed to giving you resources to do just that. Now, married people has four core marriage values, and I want to share those with you because our hope is that these four core marriage values are something that you will embrace into your own marriage, that they'll something that, that you look at and you um, make a priority as you interact in your own relationship. So let's look at the first of the core four. The first one is have serious fun. I love this one. Who doesn't want to have fun? And this is what we believe marriage can be. Marriage can be fun. The best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy it. You don't want to leave something that you're enjoying. And so we want to create opportunities for you to enjoy your marriage. Now, scripture says in Psalm 126 too, 
Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. That's what we want the Lord to say about your marriage. The Lord has done great things for them. And that there's laughter and there's joy and there's songs and there's music and there's dancing, all the good things that help surround and support a marriage with fun. Now, to encourage your marriage, one of the things that we're committed to do is giving you date nights. And so if you go to marriagepurposechurch.com slash marriage, you'll be able to see our marriage site where you can download marriage date nights. And this is something to support your marriage and help encourage you to have fun in your marriage. Now, one of the resources that I want to give to you is the Gottman Card Decks. Now, this is an app that you can download. It's free, so you can just go to your apps and download it. It's called Gottman Card Decks. And what this is, it's a relation app from this uh, Relationship Institute. And you can load it on your phone, and it's really fun because it gives you kind of questions to ask each other, like prompts for questions that you can do on date nights, and things that maybe you don't normally think of or talk about. So it's a great way to kind of spark some new interest in your relationship and have some conversations that you haven't had before. Okay. Now, core value number two is respect and love. Respect and love. Our spouse doesn't bring out the worst in us. They reveal the brokenness in us. Oh, man. I just find this to be really helpful to think about it. Sometimes we feel like, oh, my goodness, why am I married to this person? It's like oil and water. We're just such opposites. Well, God has a purpose for opposites attracting. And part of that is because when that fire is going, it's because it's revealing how broken we all are, how in need of Jesus we all are, and how we have an opportunity in our marriages to be Jesus to one, e- one another. Now, Ephesians 4.22 says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. All right, we've all got deceitful desires for sure, but sometimes we just have habits that are bad and habits that are annoying. Mm, Something that goes like this. Let's watch this together. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. You pick. Lasagna? No. Curry? No. Tacos? No. Burgers? No. How about fish? No. Chicken? Ham? Uh -uh. Bacon? No. You said you wanted me to pick. Yeah, but you haven't picked the right one yet. Let's watch that movie, the one with that that guy. Huh? You know, the guy with the hair. Can you be more specific? He's an actor and he has the hair and the eyebrows. You know. I don't know. He's in that movie with Jennifer Lawrence. Everyone's been in a movie with Jennifer Lawrence. You are just being, I hate it when you get like this. So, hey, um, are we like, are we, are we hurt? Are you hurt? Did you sleep okay? Did your shoulder okay? I mean, do we have a problem with like a, an injury that is preventing you from shutting? Hey, Lynn, before you leave, before you leave, hey. So we've talked about this a couple of times. It's okay, we're just like gonna refresh your memory. Boxes, when you don't break them down, you can fit like three of them. Maybe it's like a psychological thing, like a fear of commitment, like closing the door on our options to our future. You get about 17 boxes a day, right? Right? You do, you do. Amazon it comes here all the time. Maybe something happened in your childhood, but like, Closing a cabinet. Ready? One, two, three. We close the cabinet. <laughs> so you just need something sharp, like a knife or some kind of stabbing weapon. Okay, so you just gotta look just a little bit right there, and I'm gonna close it all the way. Watch this. Ready? Wow. 
I know, I know. I believe in you though, you got this. Pretty in Pink was a good movie. You wanna watch that again? I've never seen it. Yes, you have. Nope. Yes, you have. Never. We watched it together, you've seen it. You know how I know I haven't seen it? Cause I'm me and I'm using my memory. Okay, GPS has us getting there right at 10.30. That's cutting it close. Just follow the GPS. You know what, I'm gonna take it right here. It's gonna save us about 45 seconds of time. Hang on. What are you doing? What do you trust, me or a robot machine? See, look, no, we're fine. Oh, no traffic. Cool. Your route has a lot of traffic. Okay, I'm watching the preview and I have definitely never ever seen this. You've totally seen it. We were eating Thai food. Ooh, why don't we get Thai food? No. Oh look, Kelly's in Napa. Remember our trip to Napa? I've never been to Napa. We totally went. We had that wine tour and then massages. I think you're talking about a trip you took with your ex-girlfriend. Yes, it was. But we should totally go. We could get the massages or you could get the massages and I could, you could go with a friend. Would you rather go with a friend? Ah, uh, they're all clean. No, 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 no. All clean, you see it, you unload it. Okay, how about this one? The guy has hair, can you? Sure. Okay, just hit play. <laughs> okay, I love that so much. Maybe it just reflects a little window into our marriage, which I thought was so funny. How about you guys? Did you connect or relate to any of those things? All right, well, here's the thing. If I wanna love and respect my spouse, there are some habits that we have that may not bother us at all, but if they bother our spouse out of love and respect, those are things we gotta work on to try and keep peace and harmony and happiness in the home. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 5, 13, it says, however, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So love and respect is important as part of our core four in our marriage values. All right, let's look at core value three, love God first. Loving God in your individual life impacts your married life. Have you ever thought about this? This is so important that your relationship with Jesus matters. It matters not only to yourself and to Jesus, it matters in your marriage. It matters to your spouse as well. Scripture tells us in Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. We are called to love Jesus with all that we are. Now, sometimes it's helpful to me to think about boundaries in my relationship. So I've, I've came up with this little model. I call it this the love spaceship. So stick with me. You'll see where I land with this. All right. You are responsible for your time with Jesus, your relationship with Jesus. And so that's something you need to put a boundary around. That means you're intentional about who you let in and who you let out to that. You have to create that time. Now, when you meet that someone special and you think, oh, there's potential here. This is someone I can't live without. This is someone who makes me a better person. This is someone who points me to Jesus. Then you start thinking, okay, this is someone that is worth investing in. And when you decide to get married, then you draw a circle around that relationship and that becomes a boundary. That means you protect it. That means you invest in it. You give time to it and you're careful about what comes in and what goes out. That's what a boundary does. Now, 
after marriage, if you have children, then you create another boundary around your family system, around your marriage and around your kids. Now, even as you create that next boundary, do you notice that you still have your boundary around your own relationship with Jesus and your spouse has the relationship with Jesus? And you have to prioritize that relationship with your spouse in marriage and then that relationship with your kids. Now, there becomes another boundary that we start to, to build. And that's with your trusted community. I always tell couples as they get married that this is really helpful, that you want to have trusted community that you allow to speak into your family and into your marriage. And these need to be agreed upon people that you believe are safe, they are wise, they are spiritually healthy, that you say, hey, when we need some advice, we're going to go to these people. And these become our trusted community. Now, out of this relationship comes your work life and your work environment, your professions, his work, her work. And this is a helpful model to keep in mind because sometimes we end up centering our identity around our job and our work, and that becomes where we create all our boundaries. So a healthy family system model prioritizes your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your trusted community, and then your work flows out of that. So do you see the little spaceship thing we got going? Going on here. So this is where we want to land when we think about relationships. All right, core value number four is to practice your promise. And when we practice your promise, it's marriage is not about the big day, but it's about the every day. Scripture says in Mark 10, 9, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so we want to make faithful decisions one at a time. Dr. Ernie Baker says, good marriages don't just happen, they are made to happen. So we need to be intentional in how we do this. Okay, so we've looked at the core four in our marriage ministry, married people. And so now we get to the question to consider before you leave your marriage. And here it is. Does God want you to fight in your marriage? Or does God want you to fight for your marriage? And this is a question that is so helpful for us to think about when we are considering if we are going to leave our marriage. Now, Dave Willis said this. He said, there is no challenge strong enough to destroy your marriage as long as you are both willing to stop fighting against each other and start fighting for each other. Now, I do want to be clear that sometimes people find themselves in a toxic marriage and it is better to leave rather than stay. And so if there are some of these attributes happening, if there is an affair or abuse or addiction or abandonment, these things can be so toxic to a relationship because they break the trust that is there in a relationship and they are dishonoring to you. They are dishonoring to God and they are dishonoring to your marriage. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't work through these things. You can. And some people will work through these things and they go on to a restored and a healthy marriage. Scripture tells us in Psalm 107:2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. If you have been redeemed, those who redeemed from the hand of the foe. 
But sometimes it is hard to escape those things. And if this happens to you, I want you to know that you are still welcome at the church. You are still loved dearly by God. But having healthy boundaries sometimes means that the best way to love someone who is toxic is to be away from them, to be out of that relationship and be in a safe place. And if this is something that you find yourself in, I want to invite you to speak with one of the pastors or to a marriage counselor to get help in this situation. Now, if you go to purposechurch.com marriage, we have a list of Christian counselors that we would love to give to you. And, and hopefully one of those you'll be able to connect with and that will be helpful. All right, well, let's in our last few minutes just talk about some ways that we can fight for your marriage. And it is a fight because the enemy distracts us with discontentment. Oh man, is it so easy to get discontent in your marriage? Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I am here to tell you that Satan is after your marriage. He is coming after it. He wants to destroy it. He wants you to be discontent. He wants you to ask those questions. Why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? Why does she always do that? Why does he always always do that. I wish my marriage looked like that. Discontentment is your enemy and it is what the enemy uses to make you want to leave your marriage. And so you have a choice whether you're going to lean into that discontentment or if you're not going to use it as an excuse anymore. You're going to say, all right, I want to make some changes and here's the changes we need to make. We need to get some help. We need to do things differently. We need to set a new course, a new chart for our marriage, uh, chart a new course for our marriage. And with Jesus, he can help us. Here's what um, Marquise Clark says. I want my marriage to look less like the world and more like Jesus. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We don't want the enemy to win. Here's the next thing I want you to think about. Jesus believes in you and he believes in your marriage. Jesus is for you and he is for your marriage. He is championing your marriage and he wants to help you in your marriage. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus is for you. Do you know that you have the same power that Jesus had when he resurrected from the dead? You have resurrection power accessible, available to you to help you in your marriage. This is the same kind of power that can revive a dead marriage. It can bring it back to life when we lean into Jesus, when we invite Jesus to help us with our marriage. Are you inviting Jesus? Are you asking Jesus to help you with your marriage? Here's the other thing we need to do. We've got to feed our marriages. Feed your marriage. What do I mean by this? Well, hey, I've got four kids and I've got to feed them constantly. I feel like I'm a walking collection of snacks to feed my kids all the time. I've got two in puberty and they're eating more now. I mean, we've got chickens and we've got a garden and we've got fruit trees just to help supplement feeding these four children because it costs an arm and a leg to keep all of these children fed. We have to feed them. We have to feed our marriages as well. Colossians 3, 13 through 15 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. 
It's how you feed a marriage. You got to forgive each other. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Now, doesn't that sound good? A peaceful marriage? You were called to peace. Well, here's a resource that I want to give you to help you feed your marriage. It is called Creating Love Maps. Now, I love this idea so much. This is from the Gottman Institute. And it's this idea of knowing your spouse's inner world. Not just saying, oh, I've been married so long, I know everything about them. But to come up with questions that you regularly ask out on date nights or conversations or over dinner to update the love map, to know your, your spouse's inner world. Do you know your spouse's two best friends or your spouse's hobbies or what your spouse's biggest stress at work are right now? Who is your spouse's favorite relative? What is one of your spouse's greatest disaster scenarios? What turns your spouse on sexually? What is your spouse's favorite meal? What makes your spouse feel competent? What is on your spouse's bucket list? How does your spouse want to retire? These are just a few questions that you can use to have a sense of knowing your spouse that can help feed your marriage. Now, Jefferson Bethke says, it's not the love that sustains the promise. It's the promise that sustains the love. That's the boundary that keeps us in our marriages. And here's the thing. We have got to own our own imperfections. We have to recognize that we all have imperfections. Scripture tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all messed up, right? Oh my goodness. The other day, my daughter Eden picked a whole bunch of cherries from our side yard and she wanted to make a cherry pie. I have never made a cherry pie because those little things, you got to take every little blessed pit out of them. Well, she was determined. She sat and worked at the counter. She got me four cups of cherries. So we made this cherry pie. We baked it, spent all morning in this kitchen process and the pie came out of the oven and we got to enjoy a little piece before I covered it with saran wrap, put it on the island in the kitchen and our whole family went to a movie. Well, I have to say, my husband and I have a difference of opinion with the puppy that we have in our house. He thinks that she should be put in her kennel anytime we leave. And I'm more of an advocate of let her have her freedom. She'll be good. Well, we came home from the movie and someone, she's only about a foot tall, had jumped up on the island, uncovered the pie and eaten it. My poor daughter just burst into tears. So I had to admit, I was wrong, he was right, but I told him not to get used to being right. <laughs> Ruth Bell Graham says this, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Do you have two good forgivers in your marriage? That's what you need. Now, we also want to be able to encourage rather than criticize one another. Encouragement is so important, and I see this so often. People come in and just say, oh, he's so critical, or oh, she is so critical. Criticism is so hard. And Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5:11 that we're to encourage one another and build each other up. And this gets so hard when we're so familiar with people in our marriages. Now, I love this saying that says being right is not nearly as important as knowing when to 
zip it, to shut up. You know, the closer we are to a person, the more we see their flaws and their weaknesses. And over time, we get frustrated, we get annoyed with that person, and our patient wears thin, and our self-restraint grows thin as well. So criticism turns into contempt in a relationship, and this is what just kills a relationship. So we need to be able to break the cycle, and we need to be able to talk about when criticism hurts and what it looks like. So here's a sample conversation I want you to try on for size. My feelings get hurt when you criticize me about X or Y. I feel that you don't even like me. It makes me feel, it makes me want to turn away from you rather than turn towards you. So if your spouse says something like this to you, here might be a, a good response to make. You need to apologize. Say, woo. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I want to do better. What could I say instead? And this might be a good response to have ready to, in response. Instead of telling me what you don't like, can you tell me what you wish could happen? Could we rephrase that? You see, when communication patterns are destructive and persistent, you need to make changes. And sometimes that means that you need to get help. You need to get a Christian counselor. You need to get a mentor couple. You need to get a relationship coach. You need someone to come in there and help you break some of those cycles and create new habits. You also want to focus on your spouse's strengths rather than weaknesses. And when we do that, we are able to um, be able to have an opportunity to see them in a better light. And to do this, we can pour into you through some different resources that we have at our website, purposechurch.com marriage. If you go to our website, we have resources there and we have a monthly email that you can subscribe to. And when you get this monthly email, we are going to give you every month a podcast you can listen to, a blog post, a funny comedic video about marriage. We're going to give you a text prompt that you can text. We're going to give you a, an action, something that you can do together as a couple. And so these are ways to feed and pour into your marriage. One of the things that we like to do is give you a text prompt, something like this, that gives you ways to encourage your spouse. Hey, I really like it when you, or I was so proud of you when, or I am so thankful for you. Scripture tells us to love that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And when we are able to do that in our marriage, it believes and champions the best in our marriages. We also want to pray for your marriage and pray for the marriages around you. Ephesians 6.18 tells us this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And now I know this is easier said than done because sometimes when you start to pray for your spouse, you start getting discontent and praying for all the things that you don't like about them. So I'm going to challenge you. When you pray for your spouse, you need to have two lists. You need to pray and thank God for the different attributes of your spouse. And when that discontent starts coming in, you need to have a list of praying for all your shortcomings that you bring to the Lord about your marriage as well so that you're praying for your spouse and your own attitude and your shortcomings. Now, you can also find prayers available to you at purposechurch.com marriage. You can go in there and download some prayers, prayers that will be helpful for you to pray together as a couple and for you to pray individually for your spouse. And then finally, we just want to close with take one faithful step at a time. 
one faithful step after the next is what will help keep your marriage healthy, rooted, committed with a solid boundary around it. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And this is our prayer. This is our hope for you that before you leave your marriage, that you turn to Jesus and you ask him to be the one that comes in and brings that powerful, redeeming love that only he can give to give you a healthy and a strong marriage that represents Jesus to a watching world.